You're listening to Scaling Up Services, where we speak with entrepreneurs, authors, business experts, and thought leaders to give you the knowledge and insights you need to scale your service-based business faster and easier. And now, here is your host, business coach, Bruce Eckfeld. Welcome, everyone. This is Scaling Up Services. I'm Bruce Eckfeld. I'm your host. And our guest today is Jason Will. And Jason is CEO of Zipkick. And we're going to learn a little bit more about him and his business and about what they do to help drive word-of-mouth marketing uh, and uh, social media and, and some of the tools and insights they have. So with that, Jason, welcome to the program. Thank you so much for having me, Bruce. Appreciate it. Great. So why don't we start with uh, just a little bit of your background, you know, professionally, like how you got into this. I, I, I know you've been working on Zipkick for a while, but uh, give us a sense of what you're doing, how Zipkick came about, and then we can talk a little bit about the business and what it does. Sure. It's been quite the journey. I actually started out in Minnesota for a big corporation there and accidentally fell into technology technology. They happened to be upgrading their entire system to the version of Oracle at that time, not to date myself, but it was many years ago. And um, kind of fell into technology, started doing some tech consulting after that uh, with Accenture and then joined another firm afterwards. And has I've always had this passion for food and, and meeting people and, and building community. And I just fused these things together and here we are. Yeah. And so now tell us a little bit about Zipkick and what, what do you do or what does it do and, and how is that kind of evolved and changed uh, over time? Yeah, so Zipkick actually started as a travel company that was kind of V1 six and a half years ago. And then we moved more into the the mobile app recommendation space for restaurants, bars, and cafes. So think about it as an influencer-only version of Yelp. Mm -hmm. And then it continued to evolve from there. And it's been the six and a half year journey of of just a lot of lessons along the way. And um now today, Zipkick really has taken on, we've been working on the same concept now for over two years in terms of what Zipkick is known as today. And we're a platform where companies come to deploy multi-channel marketing, specifically within the digital space. So if you want to do digital ads, if you want to do anything around influencer marketing, email marketing, SEO, our entire vision for the company is, is that you can come to one place and deploy all of these different channels of marketing and have the transparency and the efficiency of doing all these things in one spot, right? So a lot of these companies go to four or five different platforms. They have four or five different people that work on these things. Yeah. It's not very transparent, but even more so tying out all the data and then making smarter decisions around where you spend your money is just not very easy today. Yeah. Are you finding that there's... Um you know, if you kind of look single channel, you know, you, because of the lack of data or the lack of insight, you, is it that you don't have the complete picture? So you can't make the right kind of ROI or, or um, uh, you know, strategic decisions? Or is it just an efficiency? It's like by, by bringing the channels together, you can just be more efficient. Well, not only that, but the way that I tell people this is, is that when you go to Facebook today, right, and you want to run a Facebook ad, it'll tell you, you can reach between, let's say, 10 and 15,000 impressions and all this other kind of stuff. Okay, that's fine. But the way that you look at how you define success, whether it's in SEO, influencer marketing, digital ads, email marketing, first of all, the metrics are extremely different, right? But even more so, how do you help educate brands around the output of how they're spending their money, right? So yeah. how do you compare getting 100,000 new customers via email marketing versus reaching 10 million people on Instagram? They both have value, but they value in very different ways, right? One might hit the bottom line, one might help your branding online, you know, this sort of thing. And I think companies really are struggling, at least the feedback that we're getting, 
is that they're really struggling to figure out how to spend their money. So they say, okay, my budget's X, but how do I actually allocate that? And that's really where we come in is that not only do we help with the allocation of that, but we have case studies and all the ability to execute on that after we give the recommendation. Yeah. And are you finding that the best strategies are are kind of multi-channel, that it's not just, oh, we should all just stay in Facebook, but it's you should you should use a couple of these platforms strategically? I mean, I, I guess how well, how well you've been able to tie them together to create kind of unique strategies? It's really an educational curve depending on what the company has done historically. Okay. I think at the end of the day, the smaller the businesses are, the quicker they have to generate cash. Yeah. So they're always saying, okay, you know, tie this out to a sale. Well, at the end of the day, marketing is really about traffic, right? It's getting the eyeballs to the place that you need them to go. Yep. But it's it's also on you as a business to optimize your website, you know, reduce cart abandonment, retargeting, all this other kind of stuff that has to go with that entire picture of how to sell something. Yeah. So it really, it, it's a lot more complex than just driving traffic. I think oftentimes we also have to educate businesses on what are they on the hook for as well. Yeah. Yeah, making sure that they they can actually leverage the 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 traffic that you generate or the the users that you generate through. Let's talk about service based businesses. So if if you're you know you know bookkeeping or a lawyer or a chimney sweep or massage or you know if, you know where you're providing some kind of service, how have you seen these tools used effectively or you know in in a way that actually is generating demand or generating you know interest in in services service size businesses? At the end of the day, what it comes down to is building a funnel. And it's so funny whenever I talk to business owners and they say, "Well, but my demographic." Demographics not online. Yeah. What What do you mean? Where's your demographic in the yellow pages yeah. or <laughs> in the newspaper? Like, I, I don't really understand the the response of. But my business isn't really online, right? If yeah. you're the local dentist or something. Yeah. Well, the reality of it is that your consumer is online yeah. 24 hours a day, and it's the cheapest, fastest, and easiest way to deploy marketing at scale. So if you tell me that your business isn't online, then it's just that you don't know how to actually advertise your business in a cost-effective way. Yeah. So there's a place for everybody on social, meaning your demographic is there. No matter if they're you know 15 or 20 or 50 years old, they're there. So mm-hmm. you just have to learn how to talk to them, okay? But the reality of it is this, is that four out of every five consumers don't really trust a brand. They trust peer-to-peer recommendations. So ultimately what you have to do is you have to get what I call evangelists for your brand, right? So that could be your testimonies. That could Mm -hmm. be people that just really love your business and the service that you provide. How do you evangelize them and give them incentives to want to talk about your company and recommend it to more people, what I call kind of the digital word of mouth. So as a company, what you really need to be focusing on is a clear, articulate message of what you represent, what your branding is, your identity. But even more so, how do you empower people to speak for your brand and speak for your brand, hopefully, in a way that will attract more people? Yeah, uh, it's interesting. It's kind of the, uh, you know, being a good referral. <laughs> you know, it's right. like, how do you make it very easy for people to refer you? You know, one one thing that I think comes up in that in that conversation or in that strategy is kind of knowing what your focus is, knowing what you stand for. I mean, I guess, how do you... I guess, what's your take on being referable? What are some of the things that really drive being referable, whether it's online or offline? 
What's really fascinating is, is that there's a lot of companies that pigeonhole themselves with their name of their company. As as you look at Zipkick, Zipkick yeah. is very agnostic to the, the category or the industry that you're in. Yeah. But our focus was really always on food, just because I absolutely love food. And yeah. I realize how much other people do love food. Yeah. And the, the analogy I always make is, is that you imagine two people that sit at a table that don't speak the same language. Somehow they can share a meal and they can connect with each other and they can communicate through their ability to share a meal, which yeah. to me is incredible, right? There's yeah. no other thing that you can really do, maybe sports or something like this, but there's nothing that really has the power of what food represents. And over 80% of our business for the first year and a half was all based on food. Yeah. And then it really turned into a lot more than that because living in California, what I realized is, is that your lifestyle, your health and wellness, it could be that you're a yogi, a CrossFitter, but food is a big element of that and yeah. how you train for these things. So just the downstream evolution of what Zipkick has become, you get into the health and wellness, you get into the fitness, the beauty, the fashion, other things that are very complementary to food. And, and that was just kind of a byproduct of our focus. Yeah. Well, and I think it's a good case. I, I, I kind of have this phrase I use a lot. If the faster you want to grow, the faster you want to scale, the more you need to focus, like the more you need to zero in on, you know, a core customer and a core product, core service, you know, really nail that. Because if, you know, if you don't, you're chasing too many people with too many different offers and, you know, it's just going to get muddled and, and it's certainly going to chew up a lot more money or it's going to, you're, you're going to lose the power of focusing your energy and money and, and resources. When you work with clients and, you come across that question. What what are what are the I guess mistakes or what are the things that you see people getting wrong in terms of creating that focus and, and maybe some suggestions on where they can improve it? The biggest thing is is that you have to figure out where your business is lacking. At the end of the day, what you need to do is is that you need to figure out the branding strategy for how to grow the company. We always tell people, do you want to rent the real estate or do you want to own the real estate? And what that basically means is is that do you want to be the person that's forever buying Google ads? Or do you want to build an organic strategy that's going to allow you to own the real estate, meaning the keywords that people are actually searching for, or the discoverability of your brand online? And that's what we ask companies up front. And the majority of them are okay with renting at the beginning, right? It's kind of like the post-college kid um, who rents for a little while before they buy a house. But the fact of the matter is, is that companies have to understand the pros and the cons for everything that they do and everything that they say to who the, their audience is that's following them. Yeah. No, I think that makes sense. I think, I think that, and I think it's hard for most people. <laughs> you know, it's just kind of this, well, if I, if I really kind of double down on this category or this, you know, this message, then, you know, does it mean I'm not doing all these other things? And, you know, on one level, I think that's yes. I mean, it doesn't mean you, you're going to stop doing a bunch of things, but, you know, it doesn't mean you're not going to take money from other folks. You're, you're definitely get the halo. I mean, you mentioned that once you got very well known and got really good at food, other things started coming in, you know, other, other related categories started to build around that. So, you know, I think that that naturally happens over time. So in terms of, you know, some of these specific channels, I mean, what, I guess, what have you learned, you know, kind of technically or from a marketing point of view and, and what's changed over like the last couple of years in terms of the platforms, how they work, you know, how people are using them, any particular insights you could give people in terms of understanding kind of the dynamics of the marketing space right now? As the evolution of marketing continues to become something that is so digitized, right? So for example, when you take a look at the spending of how marketing is done today, uh -huh. it's being done at a speed, meaning the speed towards digital, the spending, right, is picking up every single day. 
But the, the point of it is, is that companies need to understand that, you know, being in this space, it's hyper competitive and you have to have a multi-month plan mm -hmm. in order to get there. With that also being said, I believe that the day of having a full-time person that is kind of the Houdini that is responsible for 12 different things within the marketing department can't continue to exist. And really that freelancer economy, platform as a service, software as a service, that's replacing a lot of these full-time roles because it allows you to spend less money but be a lot more effective. So I think that's probably the lesson learned more than anything else is, is that companies are starting to realize that they can't just have a one size fits all marketing person that's yeah. responsible for the website content and when they go to trade shows and email marketing and SEO and digital ads and social content and social media management and all of this stuff because, you know, it's the Jack or Jane of all trades yeah. versus hiring people that have specialties in these verticals. You just your output is so much better than just having this kind of one size fits all person. Yeah. So, yeah, I get the idea of of finding, you know, best of breeds in each one of these categories and or, you know, platforms, domains. How do you coordinate them all though? I mean, I, I guess, uh, you know, there there's there needs to be an overall strategy, I'm assuming to to these things. You can't have independent people out there doing their own thing. How do, how do you align them? So, what we actually built the entire company off of was the influencer marketing vertical. And then from there, We've basically formed strategic partnerships and we have this just arsenal of, of people that support these verticals. So we take that burden completely off of the companies in order to actually do these services. So the point being is, is that everybody can come to Zipkick as a catch-all and everybody can have the data and the transparency in one place. And we're doing all the heavy lifting for them behind the scenes. So there is no interruption to their business. There is no lack of subject matter experts. There's no lack of these things that a company is going to go through, right? If you want to go hire those people and you want to deal with training and turnover and making sure that they truly have that expertise and even hiring freelancers today comes with its own inherent risk, depending on who you hire. Are yeah. they generalists? Are they specialized? Okay, fine. But the point being is, is that we give companies the peace of mind of coming to one place that they know that there is somebody who's an expert that is working on that vertical based on the industry that they're in. And that's why for food, especially, we had so many companies come to us because there really wasn't a platform for them to go to that was that hyper-focused on their industry. Yeah. Can you and give us a case study or just give us an example of a client and how you work with them? Like, what was, I'm trying to get a sense of the nature of the engagement, how long it takes, what kind of results, what's, what's the, give us, a, give us some example of some of the work you've done. There's, there's one, I mean, we're proud of a lot of the work that we've done, but for example, Uber Eats, uh, we actually were selected as the first global influencer marketing partner for Uber Eats. And we're working with them now in six different countries, which for us is very exciting. But for them, what they're able to do now is scale their ambassador program. So like a lot of the things that they do is they're looking for influencers to start talking about Uber Eats in countries that it might be brand new. For example, we're working with them in the Philippines. We're working with them in Australia. These are places that historically weren't on the radar five years ago, right? Yeah. It was very much North America based, but we're helping them scale. So we take out the entire discoverable piece, meaning they don't have to go hunt and pack online to find these influencers. Not only do we find them within our network, but they're already interested in what 
Uber is offering in order to become an ambassador. So what we're really doing is we're oftentimes the matchmaker, yeah. right? We're trying to find the right influencer for the right brand at the right time that can articulate the right message. And we're very excited about things like this because, you know, Uber, everybody knows them as ride sharing, but there's so much more than that, right? Yeah. This whole Uber Eats thing has now turned them into, you know, kind of the grub hub of the future, yeah. right? And it's just really exciting to be part of that. Yeah. Well, it sounds like, I mean, the, the influencer marketing stuff is fascinating for me because it, it just, there's, there's so much of a kind of a, a network effect on this stuff. Talk to us a little bit about some of the learnings that you've seen or, or you know, results or, or insights you've developed in terms of how a really a, a strong network deployed in the right way you know, how do those dynamics work and what have you noticed about it? So about, uh, I would say five years ago, just under five years ago, I was actually on Twitter and I recruited a guy who had a lot of following online. I was a nobody within the social media space five years ago. So what I decided to do was I wanted to find somebody who already had a voice and already established a community that I could piggyback on. So what I did was I recruited a guy, American guy based in Thailand at the time, flew him halfway around the world to be my brand ambassador. And I said, Hey, you're responsible for helping us seed this community. And what I'm going to be responsible for is the technology. And it's the best of both worlds. We both can focus on what we're good at. Uh That's great. Well, he helped me build the first hundred influencers. And then from there, all of a sudden people started referring each other. People started talking. People said, okay, you got to get on top of this. And then people started putting it in their bios. People put it on their websites. People were proud to represent a brand that they had confidence in. And now fast forward to today, we have, I don't know, something like 100, 125,000 mentions on Instagram. And it's in thousands and thousands of bios that they're an at Zipkick influencer. So we get messages all the time that say, what are you? What do you do? My friend keeps on talking about you. I want to join. And we don't know where these people are coming from other than the fact that we're heavily branded online and we've built a highly engaged community that loves what we've built. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, I, I go back to your, your comment earlier. Do you want to rent or do you want to own? <laughs> it seems right. like you've, you've really gone into the ownership business there. We're trying to get a monopoly on it. So yeah. <laughs> we're on our way. Yeah. Yeah. Good. I guess what else, what else, uh, have you kind of learned in terms of, you know, where things don't go so well? Like, is there any applications or, or use of influencer marketing and, and these kind of digital marketing programs, either businesses or situations where it doesn't work so well? So there are certain cases where I wouldn't even recommend influencer marketing, depending on what the business has articulated that they actually need. And I say that because the sales cycle can be long when it comes to influencer marketing. The reason being is, is that, for example, we ship products to our influencers sometimes, or we'll have them go pick it up in store or order it on Amazon. Okay, that takes, let's say, a week for them to receive the product. Uh Then they take a few days to actually shoot the product. They post about the product. Well, it could be somebody's first time actually seeing your brand online. And there are statistics out there that say that a consumer has to typically see a brand if they've never seen the brand before. They have no recognition. They have no idea what they do. They typically need to see the brand seven times before they make a purchasing decision. Yeah. So what I educate brands and say, that's fine, but we can't just deploy two or three influencers. Let's deploy 20, 30, 40, 50 influencers and give that likelihood of somebody seeing your your product seven or more times. And that's why when you see brands really go out 
and and do full-on marketing campaigns, not only do they do them at a significant scale, but they do them for months on end because they need you to see that brand over and over and over again because it builds credibility in your mind that this company is relevant and that you should take notice. So it really depends on how quickly you're trying to see these results. At a minimum, you get all the social media mentions, which gets indexed by Google, and that helps your brand downstream anyways, right? That That's, yeah. that's the rent versus own piece. Yeah. But a lot of brands say, I want sales immediately. I want to see a sale tomorrow. I want to see a sale in three days from now. Well, if that's the case, then let's just run some digital ads and then we'll build the funnel. We'll put them to your website or wherever you want them to click through. Yeah. And then let's optimize from there. So we just want to help the companies achieve their goals, yeah. agnostic of whatever the channel is. We just want them to be able to come to one place, have the history of what they've spent it on, the ROI, and be able to better predict where to spend that money in the future. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. I mean, I think it's, you know, under, understanding the time frame and, and uh, you know, when, when do they need the results and how long can they wait? So let's talk about the, what does a company do once they, uh, once they employ strategies or hire someone like you to kind of start driving some demand? What are the things that either work or doesn't work in terms of, you know, particularly on the service-based business side, like what are people driving towards? How do they make, you know, how do they convert those folks? I mean, what what have you seen effective in the industry right now uh, to kind of leverage the demand that gets created by digital marketing? The biggest thing is the event tracking on their websites. I think what I've learned is, is that companies do not fully take advantage of how much tracking there is in terms of what are people doing on your website each step of the way, mm -hmm. where their eyeballs going? How much time are they spending there? What are they clicking on? But yeah. even more so, how do you retarget them, right? There are companies that are fully dedicated just to the retargeting piece of when somebody doesn't purchase on your website. How do you send them a text message or how do you send them an email or how do you give them a pop-up or how do you do these things to re-engage them with an incentive? So what I tell people is, is that Digital marketing is really no different than other forms of marketing, other than you can reach more people at scale for a faster and more efficient, in a more fast and, and efficient way to do so. But it's also on the companies to understand what are those people doing once they hit the website? Yeah. Where are they clicking? Where are they stopping the flow? Where are they actually abandoning the cart? And what can we learn from that to get them as quickly to the checkout and through that sales process as possible, right? So you typically have about 90 seconds to capture somebody's attention if not even less nowadays on a website. So how do you quickly get somebody to the action that you want them to do and out the door so that you can take full advantage of that eyeball that hit your website? So it's really a collective effort. The companies that do the tracking very well and the retargeting very well we just see monumental success because we both can optimize for what we do. I send the traffic in, they yeah. take that traffic, and then they, uh, you know, what comes out the other end is a sale. Yeah, interesting. So tell me a little bit about where you are with, with the business. What are the next steps? What's your strategy and where do you see your future opportunities? So we really are taking uh, a pretty significant approach in 2019 to evolving the company. We're actually getting ready to make an acquisition here shortly, which is one of our strategies this year. Uh -huh. We're hoping to make anywhere between three to five of those. So this will be the first one of that series. Uh -huh. And we see that as there isn't a single company out there today that we've either identified or has been brought to our attention that is focusing kind of multi-channel. You have a lot of singular channel focus today, which yeah. is fine. 
but the industry needs to evolve. And we believe that by making these acquisitions on top of what we've already built, it gives us the best ability to succeed in this multi-channel concept that, that we've built. Um, that's first and foremost. Yeah. The second thing is, is that we really believe in white labeling our platform to other companies. So there are a lot of PR companies, public relations companies, media companies, branding agencies, communication companies that don't have an in-house system. And we truly believe that by white labeling our platform and embedding it into these companies, they can scale now and really that constraint of human capital that they face today. So just a, a, a little specific example yeah, is these PR companies, they have account executives, but ultimately the account executives can only run a handful of accounts because there's just so much work to do. Yeah. If they have a dedicated in-house platform that can allow that one account executive to manage two to three times the accounts that they're running today, they now solve the, the human capital constraint that they face. Because when they scale up and scale down as a company, you don't want to have to quickly hire or quickly lay off people. Yeah. It's just a hard way to run a business. So we believe that through our white labeling this year, that that's going to be a huge part of our, our success. So we're trying to scale as Zipkick, right? Known as a platform, but we also believe in the fruits of the labor of taking that platform and embedding it into these other companies to be able to use it as well, how they see fit. So it's really a dual pronged approach for us as a technology company, because that's ultimately what we are. It just happens to be that we do marketing tech. Yeah, no, that's smart. Any big trends that you see coming up or shifts in, in the industry or in the um, kind of the ecosystem of digital marketing? There are going to be a lot of acquisitions in this space. Yeah. There already have been, but we're talking about an industry that's less than 10 years old, realistically. And you're starting to see this groundswell of acquisitions. And you can literally type in influencer marketing acquisitions or digital marketing acquisitions, and they're all over the internet. So the point being is, is that more and more and more companies are recognizing the value of building a community. So when you have thousands of influencers that you could deploy at any second, there's a value that goes with that. When you have a platform that's built around those services, there's a value that goes with that. So I see that the acquisitions are going to pick up even at a faster pace than they are today. But even more so, these tools are going to have to start to consolidate. Companies are not going to log into four or five different platforms to run their, their marketing into their business. So there has to be consolidation, meaning multi-channel platforms, because companies just they don't want to have to hire so many people to have to run these different platforms and, and whatnot for their company. So I just see a lot of consolidation and that comes not only in the service offering, but that also comes within companies actually merging. Yeah, no, I think that makes sense. Uh, Jason, this has been a pleasure. Uh, if people want to find out more about you, about Zipkick, what's the best way to get that information? The best place to find us is either zipkick.com or at Zipkick, Z-I-P-K-I-C-K on Instagram. And um, my personal handle is Jason B Will W I L L, and I'm more than happy to to chat about any or all of what we're doing at the company. Awesome! I'll make sure that those uh, links and handles are in the show notes so people can get through. Again, Jason, this has been a pleasure. I really appreciate the time. Thank you so much, Bruce. Appreciate it. You've been listening to Scaling Up Services with business coach Bruce Eckfeld. To find a full list of podcast episodes, download the tools and worksheets, and access other great content, visit the website at scalingupservices.com. And don't forget to sign up for the free newsletter at scalingupservices.com slash newsletter. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.